This is the Cotswolds People podcast, brought to you by Alistair James Insurance Brokers. My name's Alistair, and throughout this podcast, I'm going to be speaking with a variety of very special guests from the worlds of business, sport, music, literature, politics, and many more, all of whom have a connection to the Cotswolds area of outstanding natural beauty. Do please leave us a review or rating, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear our latest guest interviews. This week we hear from adventure man and double world record holder Jamie McDonald. Jamie's adventures include cycling 14,000 miles from Bangkok back to his hometown in Gloucester, running 5,000 miles across Canada without the aid of a support crew, and again a 5,500 mile cross-country spanning run across America, including desert temperatures of 50 degrees centigrade. Jamie has raised more than £1 million to charity and continues to give back through the charity he founded, the Superhero Foundation. In November 2019, he was awarded the Pride of Britain Fundraiser of the Year Award. He's a best-selling author and travels the UK and overseas to speak at conferences, giving motivational talks and entertaining keynote talks across the world. Jamie grew up around the Cotswolds, being from Gloucester, something he's really proud of. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm Gloucester born and bred. And I'm sure just re- hearing that back, and I'm sure you've heard all those achievements regaled to you numerous of times. It, it is phenomenal. Do you, I guess at times, just ever think back and think, wow, have I, have I done all that? Sounds a bit daft, really, isn't it, when you're reading it out like that, Alistair? Uh, but it's just like a, a memory now, just a, a nice memory. And the weird part is, is where you, you kind of block out all the, all the tough times, like, yeah, no, it's great. I had a great time. You've met some amazing people as well along the way. I guess a lot of that is what's kept you going in some some pretty dark times, I imagine. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, on the last adventure, I was uh, running every single night for about three months in the Arizonian desert. It was probably about 55 degrees in the day. So it was just impossible to run in the daytime. It was completely barren. So I had to run at night, even though it was uh, 40 degrees. And for about two months, I was kind of going at it. And then I stayed in this fire department in the middle of nowhere for during the day to sleep. And then when I woke up, they were closing down. So I had to leave. So I got going. I started running through the night. It got to about one o'clock in the morning. I hadn't seen a car all night. This car kind of drives up and drives past me. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's quite like, you know, it's nice to see something. But then I hear it turn around. It starts driving back at me. And I'm like, ah, humans. And then it pulls up next to me and the window goes down and it was a woman. And she said, ah, ah. And she was acting all awkward. And I was like, you're right, love. And she said, I don't know whether to tell you or not. And I said, you go for it. I'm sure it'll be fine. And she said, right, what are you running that way? And I said, yep. And she said, okay, well, I think it's best that I let you know that where we just drove and where where you're running, um, we spotted on the side of the road a mountain lion. I said, right, well, what does that actually mean? And she said, I'm not really sure. And I said, well, I'm not really sure either. And then she said, right, well, 
I think it was best that I let you know. Okay, well, good luck. Bye. And then just drives off. And what do you do with that information? Exactly, Alistair. What the hell do you do with that? So I went into like pure panic mode. I started to think maybe I should run back, back to the fire department. But I mean, it was another half marathon back. And uh, in the end, I just thought, right, well, there's nothing back there. It's closed anyway. And I'm going to have to run this this stretch. So I need to just go for it. So I, I took out the biggest, meanest pen knife known to man that would have probably done more harm to me than the mountain. <laughs> and uh, and then and then I got running and I had my head torch on and it was pitch black apart from the head torch. And of course, then as I'm running, I'm just listening to the desert. And Alistair, I don't know if you've ever listened to the desert. I haven't, though. It's like every single noise wants to kill you. So every time I heard like a rustle, I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd quickly look left and look right in pure panic. And an hour went by and then I spotted something on the side of the road where I heard a noise. So I looked and I thought, no, it can't be. And then I went up closer and I was like, it really is. And there was a big, massive tarantula on the side of the road. So I forget the mountain lion, Alistair. I am petrified of spiders. <laughs> As am I, yeah. I know. Uh, so I thought, right, well, I, I need to capture a video of this because I was doing vlogs along the way to help with mm. fundraising. So I went over and I put my foot next to it because I wanted to capture the the perspective and the size of it. I mean, it was half the size of my foot. So I put my foot down, but the tranche must have heard the vibration because then it turned around and then started chasing me. And I was going, oh. <laughs> then, so then and so that was it. I was off. I just, I, I started pelting, screaming my head off, right? No one could hear anyway. But as I started to run, it got even weirder because I saw another tranche there and another one and another one. And literally, they were all across the road. So I'm screaming my head off. And as I'm pushing, I had a pram. His name was Caesar. When I was pushing it, I was actually hitting them. I was like, bang, bang. Oh. oh. You know, you could hear that. You could almost hear like the crunch. I'm pelting it. In the end, I just pelted it all night until sunrise. I mean, it was it was dark. I mean, it was a dark night. And uh and I made it into this tiny little town and there was a, a cafe and I walked in. And of course, I got my superhero costume, my adventure man suit, which I always wear day and night. I've actually got it on now, actually. Have you? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if this was going to be video audio, so I thought, oh, <laughs> So I'm in this cafe and then this guy um, comes up to me and goes, God, it looks like you've had a rough night. And uh, so I explained about the mountain lion and, yeah, and then I explained about the tarantulas, and I said there were hundreds of them. And he said, "Why are you kidding me?" He said, um, "Do you know that's really rare to come across like a nest like that?" He said, "There are people flying around the world in search of that. You're really, really lucky." That is uh, that is incredible. I mean, are you a lucky person? Or you do you believe in that sort of thing and fate and all of that sort of stuff? Uh, that's a good question. I think I'm definitely a. a I play it by like a happy-go-lucky kind of way, really. But I think, you know, that's not me trying to do that. I think I'm naturally not really a planner. So I kind of just roll with it and and uh, and then, 
you know, ultimately believe that everything's going to work out. And, uh, and so far, it just about has. I mean, I get that impression that a lot of your challenges, one sort of leads to the other. I guess, you know, when you did your first world record attempt, that was just on the back of your first challenge as well. You just kind of fell into it almost what, three weeks later, was it, you, you attempted it? Yeah. I mean, it's all about kind of striking while the iron's hot, isn't it? I, I felt like I had five and a half thousand miles in the bank of running for a year across America. I, I kind of felt like I may be in a position then to attempt kind of probably one of the toughest endurance challenges of then running uh, seven days on a treadmill to cover the most amount of miles. Uh, but I'm I'm realistic as well. You know, I recognize that if I was going to if I was going to jump and start that, there was a really good chance that I might not make it. Yeah, but you could say that was quite well planned, really, to to clock up five and a half thousand miles training to to start it. That is pretty good training. I mean, when your first challenge, obviously, uh, your your bike ride. So it's a bit that calls it a bit of a disservice to call it a bike ride, isn't it? But <laughs> you bought you bought a second hand bike, didn't you? And for fifty fifty pounds, and, and off you went. Is that right? Yeah, about eight years ago. I was saving up to put a deposit on a house and I saved up £20,000 of my own money and it was a huge amount um, back then for me and I went to sign the papers and right at the last minute I just got this gut feeling in my stomach where I was like something's wrong and uh, I don't know if you ever get those gut feelings Alistair. Yeah I think we all do don't we? Yeah and uh, in the end I just listened to it pulled out and then I took time out of my life actually I, I stopped working I was tennis teaching and I just thought you know what what's life all about there's got to be more there has to be more to life and with that kind of notion I ended up going back to Gloucester Children's Hospital just to kind of see the work they do and I went in and I met loads of kids and I left and I, and I, again I just had that overwhelming feeling of, of there must be more to life so I scrapped the house I didn't buy it uh, and instead I bought a terrible bike for 50 quid out of the newspaper and uh, and then yeah and then I got in touch with the hospital and I said look I've come up with a daft idea I'm going to cycle 14,000 miles from Bangkok to Gloucester and I'd really like to kind of give back uh, for all the help that you've given me and I don't know if you know Alistair but um, I spent most of my life in hospital as a kid I used to have a, a rare spinal condition called Shringomyelia uh, so an immune deficiency epilepsy and then sometimes I couldn't move my legs so I spent a lot of my early years in hospital and um, but yeah I was quite lucky when I was about about probably about nine years old my mum uh, she put a piece of string in the back garden. She said, Jamie, do you want to play tennis? And I remember feeling like, not really, mum. Uh, but I went out there and I started cracking the ball and I just got this love for movement. And over the space of a year, um, yeah, I didn't, it, my symptoms just kind of gradually eased. And and I'm lucky to say that I've been kind of healthy ever since. No, that's fantastic. And you mentioned your mum and, obviously on your you know youtube videos and and everything that you've done your mum and obviously your dad as well they've been they're incredible aren't they? they've been a massive support to you they seem incredible people yeah i mean you might see my dad cycle around gloucester he's got a big massive beard and he's got his bike and he just pedals around in a pair of shorts and he does it through summer but he does it all the way through winter as well when you did the the Pride of Britain and you know deservedly winning that, obviously you took your dad with you to that, and he seemed 
I'm not sure who was more excited, either you or him, <laughs> backstage and during that. Yeah, it is one of those moments, isn't it? I took mum to the Pride Britain quite a few years ago, um, and then this time I felt like it was dad's turn, and we hit the red carpet. My dad was honestly like a little kid, and uh, and you've obviously seen the vlog, Alistair, and as he was going down, every single celebrity that was walking by, he just couldn't help himself. I mean, it was like the biggest stars, you know, Simon Cow, all sorts. But one of them uh, was Ryan Giggs. And so he comes down and he goes, oh, my God, Giggs, Giggs. He goes, we've got to get a picture with you. you know? And Giggs is like, well, you know, okay, great. And he goes, I can't wait to get a picture with you, Giggs. You know, he said, my mate is the biggest Liverpool fan ever. And then like Giggs walks off, like just eyeing my dad up. Like, what are you on? Like, have you been taking drugs? I'm like, Dad, please tell me you know he's a Man United player. Ah, oh, minor detail. <laughs> it's all football. I mean, as well, I mean, you've done so much as well. So with the current situation, what are you doing to, are you climbing the walls back at home at the moment? How are you dealing with being cooped up? Uh, good question, yeah. Um, I guess I'm just kind of going with the flow of it, really. I mean, it took a few weeks to kind of wrap my head around, is this actually happening? And once I kind of wrapped my head around, the world kind of felt as if it slowed down. And it's obviously really, really sad with what's happening to people and businesses and people's lives. You know, from my side, I, I think my... My, all my work's kind of, you know, stopped because I do speaking at events and it's slowed down and I'm actually really enjoying it. I'm actually spending time with my girlfriend who I love dearly. And then, you know, we're doing walks on the hill, listening to birds and we're just being. Anna, you're referring to, she's equally a, an adventure person like yourself, isn't she? She is, yeah. I met Anna about five years ago. And uh, she was attempting to run across New Zealand. She knows how to do this stuff as well. She makes me like a wussy, really, Alistair. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, her, her latest adventure, she ended up, um, you may have seen it in the news, she yeah. ran across uh, Britain. She's the Girl Guiding Ambassador, so she was kind of meeting all the girls and doing talks along the way. Uh, but she'd done the entire thing, 100 marathons, completely and utterly barefoot. That's fantastic, isn't it? Goodness me. And you dressed for the occasion at the end as well, I saw. I did, yeah. I, well, I wore a brownie outfit at the end of her adventure. I thought, right, let's do it. But the thing is, it was one of those Amazon jobs. And so I didn't really know what I was going to get. Anyway, I got it a few days before her final day of the run. And then when I got it and opened it up, it was we were just about to leave the house. It was the final day, so I didn't really have time to check. And it was like one of those like saucy outfits, you know, that you get for your partner. It was a short skirt. Oh, Christ, it was supposed to be for brownies. No, and you mentioned, obviously, about in terms of your work, drying out. I know you do a lot of motivational speaking to, I guess, a variety from corporations down to sort of charities and schools do you find you know is there like a common theme in terms of people don't realize perhaps what they're capable of that you sort of you're able to relay that message to people yeah i mean it it kind of with speaking you kind of go with the flow really you end up chatting to 
you know, the teachers or you speak to the the people that are organizing events in the businesses. And it's really is kind of it's finding out what the what the challenge within that business or or people is and whether that's uh, you know, they've had a big massive change within the business or or they're just they're just needing more motivation. So it's kind of working out what it is. Uh, a lot of the things that that I'm asked for is just resilience, really, you know, just to kind of be stronger to kind of get over hurdles. So then it's about, you know, cherry picking the right stories um, for that. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's case by case kind of uh, talk, really. And I think people need, especially at the moment, I know a lot of people are finding it difficult, aren't they, in terms of obviously worried about people that might be affected by the illness, or like you say, they, they're not able to work. Do you think it's obviously an opportunity now for people to use this time to try and find a way out in terms of pushing themselves to the next the next level or trying to find an alternative? How do you think the best way of dealing with this sort of situation if you are feeling feeling low or feeling down? Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it, really? I guess if um if everything's dried up then then now I think is a cracking time to gain perspective and and getting time out. I mean, one of the one of the best things um, that I've ever done in, in the last eight years was a, you know, taking time out from my job to think about what is more to life. Um, but then B also, you know, whilst you do these adventures, you end up kind of spending that time where you gain more perspective again. So um, I think it's good, you know, I, you can get on the old hamster wheel, can't you, where you're just working morning to night and where does it all end? So. I think, you know, getting that time out is is hugely important uh, and, and the simple things. Do you ever do yoga, Alistair? I don't. I know a lot of people do and swear by it, but uh, I haven't done it, no. Okay, yeah, that's one thing I've, I've started to do over the last kind of year, like breathing, like really hard breathing, and it really relaxes your kind of um, your, your vagal nerve, uh, like on the inside, and it, it calms you and you think clearly. So if there's anyone that wants to get a bit all yogi, then um, I'd re- definitely recommend that. I mean, there are a lot of positives as well coming out of it. I mean, we've seen um, with the fundraising that, that Captain Tom Moore's been doing, I think over sort of twenty-five million pounds for the NHS, um, and also a real community spirit. I feel like perhaps people don't normally talk. You know, we're all sort of like you say wrapped up in our own little worlds, but you do see so many examples of the communities coming together through this, don't you? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, what about Cat Did Tom? I mean, he is something else, isn't he? I love this because I love fundraising and he just went against the grain. A bloke that's supposed to be using the NHS and actually <laughs> draining their resources that age, 99 years old, and yet, He's he's doing completely the opposite, doing laps in his garden. I mean, it's just yeah, that that stuff at the minute just lifts me and it brings me to tears. It's incredible, yeah. And I mean, I read your book and and you know, reading about your stories that when you were doing your challenge across Canada, I mean, it's amazing you would be able to go and knock on people's doors and and people driving past would, would help you out. I mean, that is real community spirit, I and mean, it's it's fantastic. And I wonder if this. Obviously, it's a really bad situation. Whether we will see more parts of people coming together in situations like that? Yeah, no. You you know what? There is something special. I think the the Canadians, especially when I ran across the country, 
I really felt a huge community spirit out there. I guess their population's down, so it's smaller towns. Uh, but I remember one of the first towns that I came across, and I'd been running for about two weeks, and it was pretty lonely. It was really early on in the adventure. I thought, Do you know what? I'm not going to survive if I if I just do this on my own. I saw this house in the distance, and I thought, bugger, I'm just going to do it. So I went over, and I knocked on the door, and, and this woman answered, and I was like, hi, um, I'm uh, running across Canada at the minute. I was just wondering if I can camp on your lawn. But in my brain, I was thinking, please let me in. And then this woman, she said, no, no, you can't. Off you go, will you, boy? And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry, and I didn't want to disturb you. And she said, well, who are you anyway? And I said, well, I'm kind of running and stuff. And she said, right, well, just wait there, will you? And then she went off and she came back five minutes later and she said, right, now I've just Googled you and you're real. And so she let me set up my tent and then she came back out five minutes later again. She said, stop setting up your tent. There's a motel and a key waiting for you and it's all paid for. That's incredible, isn't it? You just hope with so many things like this that there are positive stories, you know, that will come out of this. Um, and has it given you time to think about what your next adventure is going to be? Oh, I am allergic to like running and the treadmill, the dreadmill, should I say? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, you, you know, I think, I think, you know, the last kind of big run across America and the treadmill. I'm actually now, you know, getting that time of, of perspective. I was rushed off my feet with loads of speaking events, but that's all gone, you know, for it's looking like for this year, really. So, um, but that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm in a very lucky position where um, I don't, I'm not kind of suffering financially. So I'm going to take that time out to, for perspective. And if you can, you know, if you can get that time without being so under pressure, then, yeah, can't recommend it enough. I guess maybe in time, a joint adventure with Anna. I've seen a couple of things that you might might consider doing. Is that uh, would you like to do a joint adventure? Do you think you would work well together? Was it like one of those things where someone would say, "Oh, we can't work together; would be a nightmare"? How do you think you would get on an adventure together? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's make or break, really, isn't it? Go with your partner <laughs> on an adventure. But Anna, Anna, join me uh, on some stints and ran with me in America. And one of the first stints that she'd done was up in Oregon. It was really, really mountainous and hilly. Um, of course, we're pushing, you know, Caesar, this pram, and it's really heavy. So as soon as you hit a slight hill, you know, I mean, it's tough going. And it was quite early on, so I, I wasn't very well conditioned. And, and uh, she came out, and me and Anna, we never had like a – an adventure together where we actually had to push each other. We were trying to run a marathon a day. And on our first run, we're going up these mountains and I was just being blown out. I can't this. And then every time Anna would be like, right, just give me Caesar, give me Caesar. And it's really weird. I don't know why she does it, but when she runs with Caesar, she kept sticking her ass out like a rhinoceros. <laughs> right, so I, I kept taking the mickey out of her being like, oh, I run, I run. Right, so she'd be pushing it, and every time we got to the bottom of a mountain, she'd be like, "Hey, hey, give me Caesar! It's Rhino time!" And then she'd just launch up the mountains. Yeah, <laughs> so I guess. It, I mean, it would be really difficult because like, a lot of your adventures, I guess, you'd have been pretty lonely. You had a lot of time to yourself, and 
you know, to do it with someone would be completely different. And how, how did you find that time on your own, just sort of when you're out doing adventures and it's just you deep in your thoughts? Is that is there a place that you take yourself? Do you listen? You, you know, you listen to music to to perk you up. How did you get through that time on your own? That is a good question. So I would say, luckily, I don't know if you do. You, do you run or cycle, Alistair? Yeah, I used to do a bit of cycling. Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. So you know when you you know when you cycle, and if there's any other one listening out there have moved, it, it's almost like when you're moving, uh, it's like driving down a motorway, and as you're driving, suddenly 30 minutes will go by, and you're like, oh, where have I been? Like, yeah. How long have I been driving? So I always called that kind of getting in the flow. And if you can get in the flow, you know, whilst moving, your brain can just go to magical places and you're not trying to think, it's just subconsciously. And whether that sorts out a problem in your life or whether that sorts out, you know, you being a bit more of an opportunist to make money for your business or, you know, whatever it is, I just find if you move, if you let your brain just go to where it needs to go subconsciously then 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 you're in the flow and and normally you know life just gets a bit easier when you're doing lots of problem solving sounds like great advice jamie and i think um yeah one we could all do with at the moment well i really appreciate you you talking with me today jamie it's been really good to hear some of your stories and perhaps you know if people are struggling a little bit just to um a bit of motivation for them to crack on and and try and see a better and brighter day brilliant no i've loved it alistair thank you very much for having me on there were some incredibly motivational words from jamie in there and he really is a fantastic example of being able to win against all the odds which is clearly something many of us are trying to achieve right now in these challenging times with the coronavirus pandemic so hopefully that will have helped as a bit of inspiration to you do please join me next time when my guest is the CEO of the greenest football club on the planet, as described by FIFA, Henry Stalins from Forest Green Rovers. This podcast was brought to you by Alistair James Insurance Brokers of Cheltenham. We provide personal insurance for high-value homes and contents, including fine art, collectibles, jewellery and watches, and for commercial insurance, a variety of sectors including commercial property, liability and construction. Visit our website, ajamesinsurance.co.uk and see the link to it in our show notes or follow us on all the usual social media channels to find out how we can help with all your insurance requirements.